So we're in uh, Luke chapter 5. Faith, healing, and blasphemy. Luke chapter 5, from verse 17. So you know the age-old question, <clears throat> seeing is believing. We claim to live in a society that values empirical evidence above all else, the unbiased facts. Well, I know for a fact <laughs> that that is not the case. When I turn on the TV or when I read the news, <clears throat> Facts are not given the priority that we claim to give them. And speaking metaphorically, I don't watch broadcast TV. I have Netflix, so I can choose what to watch. But for those of you who do, I feel sorry for you having to watch the news every night. It gets me worked up. <clears throat> so we all think that if we are presented with evidence that it would be enough to convince us the cold hard facts alone human nature paints a different picture of the narrative of history human nature if we think of human history or natural history as an example to know that this isn't the case in the 60s they sent people to the moon and they landed on the moon and they turned around and they took a picture of earth and for 60 years people have been casting doubt on whether that was even real and even more recently that the fact that the shape of the earth is what it is is, um, is not true Governments are lying to us. That's just a very recent example from human history where it doesn't matter what the empirical evidence is. <clears throat> what about biblical history? If we consider Moses and the authority, the proof <laughs> that he brought with in the plagues, <clears throat> you would think that if this was the case, that after the first plague, you know, Pharaoh would have reached into the Nile River and scooped up a handful of blood. It didn't say that it, the river was mixed with blood or looked like blood, it said that it was turned into blood. Now, if you've ever um, seen more than, a, you know, an amount, <laughs> you would know <laughs> that there is no way that you can mistake blood for water. <clears throat> it smells different, it feels different, it looks different. You'd think after the first plague, he would say, oh, yep, that's blood, okay, the slaves can go free. I've seen proof. We know that that's not the case. 
Luke 5 tells us a story about people's belief and unbelief. On the one hand, we see people <coughs> believe without the evidence. And on the other hand, we see people, despite the evidence, still deny. Jesus heals a man that's paralyzed. And like good investigative reporters, we're just going to go through the question. This is a, a good way to study the Bible in general. We ask what happened, how it happened, where it happened, who did this, and why. <clears throat> and like most good stories, we learn through proxy, we learn through example. And so we're going to put ourselves into these situations and say, what can we learn from the people in this story? Let's pray. <clears throat> Lord, we thank you now for the mess, for your word. We thank you for the richness of it. And we thank you that we can um, continually learn from it and i pray that you help us now amen so let's read from luke 17 <clears throat> on a certain day as he was teaching pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting nearby who had come from every town of galilee and judea and jerusalem and the power of the lord was present to heal the sick now some men brought in a bed of a man who was paralyzed. Uh, they searched for ways to bring him in and lay him before him. And when they could not find a way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up to the roof and let him down through the tiles with his bed into the midst before Jesus. <clears throat> and when he saw their faith, he said to the man, your sins are forgiven. Scribes and the Pharisees began to question, who is he who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? When Jesus perceived their thoughts, he said to them, why question in your hearts? Your sins are forgiven you. Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, rise up and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralyzed man, I say to you, rise up, take your bed, and go to your house. And immediately he rose up before them and took up that which only lay and departed to his own house, glorifying God. They were all amazed, and they glorified God, and they were filled with fear, saying, we have seen wonderful things today. <clears throat> okay, so the story takes place, uh, Mark tells us, in back at the city of uh, Capernaum. <clears throat> Jesus would come and go. Uh, it would sort of be like a staging area or home base for much of his Galilean ministry. Um, this is still very early on in his ministry, but... <clears throat> Fame or his his deeds have already spread um, throughout the region. 
done several miracles before, the leper that preached wildly. <clears throat> and so he was in this house in Capernaum, <clears throat> and people had gathered to hear him teach. <clears throat> now, it said that the crowd was so large, it was difficult to even get close to him. <clears throat> Imagine uh, a house, um, most likely in a housing district or a neighborhood uh, of houses. <clears throat> it said that the roof had tiles. <clears throat> it could have been uh, more Roman architecture. Uh, traditionally, a Hebrew house had um, beams and then it had a, a flat roof uh, with straw and pitch to waterproof it. <clears throat> um, <clears throat> said this one had tiles. It could have very well been. Um, in those days, these houses weren't usually larger than just a single room. People did most of their living outside. They, they spent most of their time outside, so it wouldn't have been very large. <clears throat> now, if you can imagine the crowd um, clamoring around this house, people by the windows trying to look in, most likely people were even sitting on the roofs of the houses adjacent or across the street for a better view. <clears throat> so it made it very difficult to get to. <clears throat> if it was a more traditional Hebrew house, it would have had a flat roof and easy access up to the roof. Um, they used that space as a living area as well. But it depends. <clears throat> okay, so he was teaching there. And then this, it says this group of friends <clears throat> brought a man uh, that was paralyzed. Now his paralysis was so severe that he wasn't able to be um, lifted up without the use of the bed. Um, or he wasn't able to be pushed in by a chair or, you know, uh, carried in some other way that, that he was so severely paralyzed that they had to transport him on essentially a kind of a stretcher. <clears throat> they were so fervent to reach Jesus that the fact that they couldn't go through the crowd didn't um, turn them back, <clears throat> that they resorted to extreme measures to reach Jesus. <clears throat> so they opened the roof and they lowered him down on his bed. And when he saw this, when he, he saw the, the adamancy, the, if we can just get this man to Jesus, he, he will help. The, the sheer solidness, if I can say, of their, uh, of their belief in that. <clears throat> he looked up and he said, he saw their faith 
and he turned to the man <clears throat> and almost as if his paralysis was a secondary issue, he tells the man that your sins are forgiven. <clears throat> perhaps, it doesn't say, but perhaps the condition that he was in <clears throat> was because of or a consequence of something that had happened, some sort of sin that occurred or an accident that he had caused because of negligence or, or something where the man's heart was more burdened with sin than it was with the actual, his condition. <clears throat> we don't know the person's heart, it doesn't say that, but Jesus' response to him certainly indicates that there might be some truth to that, <clears throat> that it wasn't something that he was born with, but perhaps there was something connected to his paralysis. Thank you. <clears throat> Thank you, my throat. Thank you. And the Pharisees saw this and, um, and they said to themselves, isn't that blasphemy? Doesn't this man, uh, who is he to say, I forgive your sins, only God can forgive sins. And they would be 100% right, that's, that's true. <laughs> They would be 100% right if it were anyone else. <clears throat> a definition or a loose working definition of blasphemy would be um, to deny uh, the power of God. Okay. <clears throat> He's, he, uh, Jesus says that they blaspheme against the spirit when they deny the power of the spirit in, in the miracles. <clears throat> but ironically, they say he's blaspheming. He's ascribing something to himself that only God can do. <clears throat> ironically, they were denying the power of God. <clears throat> um, but Jesus addresses their hearts and he's, he says, what's easier to do? Is it easier for someone to say your sins are forgiven? <clears throat> or is it easier for someone to say, um, stand up and walk, and that person who is completely unable in any form to do something even resembling walking is able to stand up and walk? What's easier? <clears throat> well, it's easier to say something that a person can't see proof of. We can't see um, proof if I say, I forgive your sins. <clears throat> Can we? So he addresses that and he says, <clears throat> I'll do the thing that is seemingly harder to do. 
And that would be the proof that the thing that I'm saying that is seemingly easier to do, I've done also for real. When Jesus healed, <coughs> only God has the power to heal anyone and everyone according to his will, and they were instantly healed, and it doesn't matter what they were suffering from, that was the case. Um, there was no restrictions on who he healed and who he didn't heal. <clears throat> he did it when he willed. Only God can do that, and that is what he was trying to illustrate. <clears throat> but the fact is, actually, forgiving sin is the harder of the two because we required him to die on the cross. <clears throat> He's the only one that can, even uh, on his earthly ministry, because when we sin, we sin against God. <clears throat> when someone wrongs you, they have to come and apologize to you, and you have the prerogative to say, yes, I accept your apology, or not. You were the one that was wronged. <clears throat> so it is with sin that he has the authority to forgive because of the um, redemptive sacrifice that he himself will be to take on that sin, but also because sin is ultimately against God. <clears throat> and so he did have the authority to do that. That's why he rebukes and that's why he calls them out. Not because <clears throat> they were there seeking evidence, but because they were there seeking ways to deny the evidence, to deny what was clearly there. So it's not about empirical evidence. It's not about whether uh, we can see the proof. Having read the story, there's, there's three people or three groups of people that we can identify with, rather uh, try and learn from. <clears throat> now, I, I kind of changed this in the last minute. It was added within the outline, but I thought um, separating it for ease. So the first group, the group of friends and their faith. It is obvious that they cared for this man, that they loved this man, that they had compassion, that they sought um, good for this man, that they felt sorry for this man, <clears throat> that they wanted to see him re restored. And we must ask ourselves, <clears throat> when Jesus says that he saw their faith, what is meant by faith. In Hebrews chapter 11, it's not the encompassing definition of faith, but it helps us understand a little bit of what Jesus was meaning. Hebrews chapter 11, it gives us two facets of faith, and it says this, 
in verse 1. <clears throat> Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not yet seen. Evidence. The word substance can be alternatively translated assurance or confidence or the reality. Other passages, <clears throat> Jesus says to, to people, your faith has made you well. He says this to the ten lepers, Luke chapter 17. The repentant woman that washes Jesus' feet with her own tears and hair in Luke 7, he says, your faith has saved you. That word saved you and the word made well is the same word. It's the exact same word. <clears throat> so can Jesus heal someone without them having faith? Yes, he healed many unbelievers. Uh, that's not the requirement uh, for restoration, <clears throat> but rather um, to something bigger, <laughs> to salvation. That same faith that compelled these men against all odds, <clears throat> if we can just bring this man into God's presence into if he can just see Jesus if Jesus can just can just speak to him this man will be made well will be saved if we can just get him to Christ's feet and they probably regardless of the consequences regardless of the property damage regardless of uh, how they got it, um, it doesn't matter what happened to them if they can just get this person to the feet of Jesus. <clears throat> that faith, that unwavering, unquestionable belief that would drive these group of friends to, against all odds, do this thing. That's the faith that we are to place in Christ when we place faith in him. So perhaps we can adopt a facet of these group of friends <clears throat> when we evaluate our faith. <clears throat> it's a misconception to see it as a bucket that we fill <clears throat> Um, people like uh, Benny Hinn and uh, Healing Crusades and, you know, puts on a big show and if you don't get healed, well, it's because you didn't have enough faith. <clears throat> no. <clears throat> We're not talking about physical healing here. We're talking about the kind of faith that we know to be true that is, it's evidence, it's, it's as tangible as something that we can hold in our hand. That faith 
that compels us to share the news with others. <clears throat> if I can just tell this person about Christ, imagine what could happen. If I can just go out and share the good news of Christ with this person, imagine what God could do. If I can bring this person to the feet of Christ. <clears throat> do we have that, that fire in our faith? Do we have that assurance in our, in our own faith that, that compels us against all odds to say, to not only share the gospel, but to live out what we believe, to read the scriptures and to say, this is true. I will live my life by this. I will shape my values according to what it says. I will make decisions and I will um, stand for what I believe to be true. <clears throat> and I will not waver or doubt because of your assurance. <clears throat> the next um, person, the man that was healed and his testimony. <clears throat> So in a physical sense, uh, Jesus spoke to this man. He was instantly healed. And Jesus says that this is a testimony of what I said is true. His sins are forgiven. He is made new. When we think about salvation and we Look at the people who demand evidence. The evidence doesn't convince anyone. <laughs> but it certainly puts a stop to any argument. <clears throat> when people look at your life and my life, do they see something impossible? Through the power of the Spirit, <clears throat> people that knew us before, and they say, is this the same person that your life has so been transformed that you, as a new creation, have so stepped in to this, this faith that we live that People cannot explain the difference. I've seen it firsthand in, in many people's lives. This, this change cannot come about by someone's own determination. Something enacted that change. It's as if this person was paralyzed, and now the next day they're walking. <clears throat> Through our testimony, <clears throat> do we live 
as evidence of what God has done for you, of salvation. And you say, this is what I believe. This is um, the faith that I have in Christ. And if you're unsure, look at what he's done in my life. To the point where people might not be convinced of the gospel, but certainly where they say something has changed. It's undeniable. The Pharisees here in the story couldn't deny the fact that this person did walk out with his bed in his hand. They couldn't deny it. Perhaps we find ourselves <clears throat> resembling characteristics of the Pharisees and their accusation. They accused Jesus of blasphemy. They had presuppositions. They had um, biases. They had um, agendas. They had... Um, um, things that uh, they couldn't afford to lose. <clears throat> and so they were seeking ways to disprove him, to find evidence of what he was saying and doing <clears throat> to be false. We, we can ask God for a sign from heaven. And you know, even the Bible even says, if an angel appeared before us, would we really believe? Many of us would like to think, yes, if there was a miracle, then I can't question it anymore famous atheist was known to have said uh, in a debate, somebody asked him, let's say if, if God was real and you die and met him, what would you say to him? And he said, um, I would say, God, why did you go to such lengths to hide yourself from me, to hide the evidence of your existence from me? <clears throat> I think Louis would know the name of that person. I am bad with names. But <clears throat> the point is <clears throat> that it's not God that hides himself and the, the footprint and, the, and the, the, the fingerprint of his works. It's us that shut our ears and close our eyes. <clears throat> And we say, give us a sign. <clears throat> Perhaps you know someone in your life like this. And you share the gospel with them. <clears throat> and they see your life and they say, well, I, I need to see it to believe it. We know 
that that is not the case. Was that the case for you? Maybe. Maybe the Lord used something like a person's testimony. It did for me. I looked at my wife when I met her in college and I said, <clears throat> I cannot deny that this person is living what they say they believe. And the Lord used that to convict me. <clears throat> but people will demand proof. That is not the issue here. If you share the gospel, there's something underlying there. <clears throat> and we can address that more directly instead of just getting into a debate about the facts. We can address the heart and say, let's, uh, let's be honest with ourselves. <clears throat> Perhaps in your own walk with the Lord, <clears throat> there were times where you wish God would just send you a sign to know that you were on the right track, that this is where you needed to be <clears throat> or whatever. And you were waiting for something to happen, for a lightning bolt to strike you, for, for a billboard to appear in front of you. <clears throat> and it didn't. You say, God, did you even hear me? The Pharisees show us that in their accusation, they see a miracle happen before their eyes and they deny the power of God. <clears throat> that evidence is not conclusive. Our human nature tells us otherwise. That's why faith is such a wonderful thing. So this morning, <clears throat> I encourage you to see a bit of yourself in these people and to uh, evaluate how you share your faith with others and how you demonstrate your faith to others. And to ultimately know that faith itself is the substance, the evidence. Not to wait for something to come across our path to prove it or affirm our faith. <clears throat> All right. Dear Lord, we do thank you for, for Jesus, his many miracles, his undeniable deeds and acts that we can read about in Scripture that we don't have to look any further in the pages of Scripture to find to find foundation for our faith. Strengthen our faith, Lord. Help us to grow in our faith despite our circumstances 
despite our presuppositions, despite our previously held beliefs, that we may change in accordance with your word. Not that we change the word in accordance with what we would like. We thank you. We thank you for your grace in our lives. We thank you that you sent your son to die on the cross for our sins, that he is the attention of our faith. We constantly look to the cross, not be distracted by the world and what is in it. And so, Lord, we commit this time to you, and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.